0: episode two it's so exciting yes I'm really excited to talk about this with you thank you for hanging out with us from episode
1: one where we were a little bit crazy
0: (laughs) (laughs) my mom um my my mom was like I started to listen to it and it was it was kind of slow so I had to turn it off my mom holds nothing back y'all like not at all. and I was like okay just take it in like 15 minute increments then (laughs) my grandma
1: said she started listening to it and she was like but then I saw it was 45 minutes long and I had other stuff I needed to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all. Throw some ear- earbuds in and do what you got to do with the podcast on. That's right. Like well, grandma doesn't on. earbud. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> grandma. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so we want to start out with a number one trigger warning. Yes. Uh, we are going to discuss sexual violence. We are going to discuss domestic violence. Um, We're going to discuss um, childhood trauma and sexual abuse um, and some human trafficking elements to this as well. So um, if you are a victim and you are listening, please take care of yourself, perform self care. If that means you have to turn it off and not listen to it anymore, that's fine. Or if you have to turn it off and go um, take care of yourself before you get back on, that's okay too. Um, Take it in segments if you need to. Right. Take um, care of yourself first. Yes. Sarah, do you want to give them the disclaimers?
1: Yes. So our disclaimer is um, Morgan and I are trying real hard to keep these really heavy, awful topics as light as possible. And there are some people out there that don't think that you should make jokes or make light of situations. And if that's you then um that's okay you're entitled to your own opinion but you're not gonna like us so
0: you can so, run far far away
1: right turn around you and probably run. just run, run now
0: run and turn it off and like, don't like a bear I, is chasing still
1: say subscribe and you can still rate us <laughs> I would like for you to rate us like really high but whatever. <laughs> um <laughs> but um yeah we we're gonna try and make light of some of the situation because this is a hard topic a yeah, uh, so really the, hard topic I mean that's the new Most of podcast. Most of what we do.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: hello. Most
0: of what we do is hard, so. Right, right. Um, okay, are you ready to get into it? Yes. Okay, so the way we're going to kind of handle this is we're going to review each episode. So right now we're talking about part one of the series, which oh, is... hey, we should probably talk about what we're actually covering. Well, I was just getting ready to do that. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> part one of the series, which is Surviving our Kelly. Um, and so... <laughs> <laughs> that was literally my next few words. <laughs> Listen, great minds think alike. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so we're going to review uh, episodes one and two, I think is what we're going to be able to get through. So <laughs> we are recording for a second time. Again, Again. So, second recording, <laughs> take two times two. Next two. <laughs> Last time we recorded, there was a bit of a delay and I would answer Sarah's question and then she would ask it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, we can't, we can't. So um, we're going to review episode one. We're going to start with episode one uh, right now in the Surviving R. Kelly series. Yes. So Sarah, do you want to start? If you, ha- yes, but if you have not watched it, uh Lots of spoiler alerts. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't you have to
1: have watched it. You do not have to have watched it, but if you don't want any spoilers, uh, you might hold off before you listen. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so the way that the show was kind of set up, the first part of the the whole series, so there were six episodes to the first part. And the way it was set up was um having these survivors victims we're going to call them patients. We're going to call them all sorts of stuff today. Um, but having them um, kind of recount their time with um, R. Kelly and what happened and how they met and when they met. Um, it, it opens up, though, talking um, about his childhood
0: um, and getting into his childhood. Yes. Um, so it starts out um, describing his life uh, in the um, south side of Chicago, right? South side of Chicago in the ghetto, uh, basically. It was the projects of Chicago. Yeah. Uh. Uh, the ghetto, right? Is the projects in the ghetto, is that interchangeable? I don't, I uh. that's a legit question, like I don't. I don't want to say something that's not right, but I don't know. Okay. I just you know they called it the projects. Well, over and over, if so. you know and you want to send us an email <laughs> or comment on any of one of our social medias, yes. <laughs> um, anyway, so they talk about how they grew up in this, um, you know, poverty ridden area. Um, his mom was this amazing woman who was in the church, and you know she was there except for their father she was a single mother. Yes, yeah. their father left. Um, they described him as shy and timid as a boy um and that he um we've, we we learned early on that he was molested as a child from age yes. um 7 to 14 um and 13 his, oh 13 13 14 i think it comes they say 13 14 yeah okay. those ages okay. um but his his brother was too i don't know if you knew that but his brother was as well and so mm-hmm. when we first recorded this there was like i can we talk about that a minute sister do you want to talk about what you noticed
1: yeah so um immediately first of all i wrote down uh grew up in the projects dot 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 no excuse uh single mother dot 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 no excuse grew up in church okay um learning he had a learning disability (coughs) sorry guys and um he was bullied in school also no excuses um But what I was concerned about initially, so he talked about this like molestation um, from age seven to 13 in an interview in 2012 and how he was exposed to sex at an early age and it woke up his hormones um, and it enhances his curiosity before times should have happened. and Which is um, all true. It's just absolutely true. But then his brother comes to him, his younger brother comes to him and says, um you know he was molested by a family member um and he told r kelly this and r kelly said nope didn't happen um and they didn't believe him they they may have believed him but they did not validate him at all um and so he never went to any adults about it because he was like well if my brothers don't support me in this and adults for sure not going to support me so what i was concerned with initially was you know, maybe the sociopath has really taken over and maybe he has taken on his brother's um, molestation as his own and is using that um, because, as we'll talk about later on, he discloses to a whole lot of people about this. Yeah, he uses that as a grooming technique. And And he does use it as as a grooming tactic. And so my concern initially was... Did, did we, you know, not, not to say that, you know, what he's saying isn't true. Start by believing we do that all the time, you know, but just later on, because a lot of times these, (coughs) I'm sorry, these, um, uh, victims who were molested at young ages don't just like go around telling everybody this. Um, and so that's where I was getting that. Ooh, I'm concerned maybe for that but it's validated
0: in the second part and that's yeah. what I told Sarah it was like they they talk a lot about it in the second part um, as far as that goes so as you know it kind of describes his his background and then it goes into like his career and how it started young and in high school and they describe him as the king of R&B a hero um, he's invincible music genius Yeah. And they have a nickname for him. Did you No no
1: he came up with his own nickname. Well,
0: they call they they also call him that in the community, but he calls himself that as well. And so do you He came up with it though, they said that. Oh, okay. So it's the Pied Piper. And if you guys don't know who the Pied Piper is, he used like a flute to lead young children out of a village and those young children are never to be seen again. And so that's essentially what he's doing is using his music to lead these young girls out of their villages or, you know, out of these rough areas and homes, because really all of his victims came from vulnerable backgrounds. Um, A lot of them had other abuse that had occurred younger in their life. And so um, he's really uh, focusing on vulnerable that those vulnerable girls. And so that was his nickname was the Pied Piper. Okay. So let me just interject here. When you hear that, do
1: you just see R. Kelly with this tiny little bitty piccolo, like, (laughs)
0: skipping down the street? (laughs) I mean, I do do now that you've said it. Because he's such a big person. Like, he's
1: tall. He's big. Like, you know, could you just see him with this little bitty piccolo? Like, come on, girl. (laughs) Yes, that's awesome. Okay, sorry. Um. (sighs) One of the other things that they mentioned uh, when they were talking about the molestation was they had a clinical psychologist, they had two clinical psychologists um, on the program that kind of helped uh, um, describe and validate some of the um, things that all of these people were going through. Yes. And one of the things that they said that I thought was really powerful, and I know that you add, you add to this too, but... Um that child sex abuse confuses power with power and control with sex. Yes. And so then And then I yeah.
0: had one written I had um a quote from Dr. Candace Norcott written down that said It was the same person. Yeah, that was yeah. the same one. Like she that. said, yeah. um there's no more powerful position to be in than the abuser to the child. And so when you are the abused um you gain that power back from your life that you've lost being in a, uh the abused and now he's the abuser and so he's he's got that power and boy right. did he assert his power who he's yeah. scary and you know the the um I
1: never caught her I mean I caught her name obviously but I never wrote it down but she was the um music teacher at the academy that you went to oh I didn't write her um, name down either yeah it was doctor something Uh, she was very sweet um but she said um you know the the question to her was um did you guys know about this did you know that this was happening to him and what she said was children express what they fear and love and what is around them and she said he was very aggressive in his sexual language
0: Mm -hmm. in his music at a very young age
1: Yeah. And she had to tone him down multiple times and be like, this isn't appropriate for, you know, for the school. And it's not probably appropriate in general. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I don't think that you got this number because I think this was later on, I think maybe in part two that I've seen, but I asked you if you... Um, remembered how many victims that he had, yes, the number. No. Uh-huh. Um. And so we, there are 48 known victims. So that number stuck out to me that they said that number on the series because 48 is a lot, but we know that it's grossly underreported, right? So right. 48 victims. And then if we think about how underreported this is, can mean that he has so many more. And I, I'm sure, you know, he does. But,
1: well, and she's once we crazy. kind of get into it, Right. And once we kind of get into it, too, you'll notice that when we do talk to the survivors from this and stuff, they would say all of these girls Mm -hmm. and blah, 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 blah. And so obviously there are probably, I would venture to say hundreds out there. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I would say that, too. Easily. Yeah. I mean, it happened over a 30-year period. There's got to be hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So moving on, um, we are introduced pretty early to a videotape with an underage girl. And it's just like a brief introduction, but we know that this videotape is sexual content where there is, um, sexual things going on as well as him urinating on her. And so it's like the most degrading thing, um, that somebody can do. I mean, you are just using somebody as a bathroom, as a toilet. And so, um, one of the things that they talk about was that, a lot of people utilized that tape as a way to make fun. And so um one of the writer or culture critics on there, she said, Why didn't the culture say this was wrong? Her name is Jamilia Lanoux. Um mm-hmm. I loved her. Yeah. And she, you know, had referenced South Park and the Chappelle show where they were using it um oh, man, as so a joke. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were using it as a joke. Yeah. Like it was just a joke. Um, and then after we kind of get this experience with the videotape, it goes to the interview um, with uh, <laughs> Tour Touré. I don't know how to say his name. I don't either. And the <laughs> reason she is laughing is because it's the most ridiculous comment ever. But um, it's you, it, this I, interview I is referenced. I literally just had my hands over my face, <laughs> like, oh my god. The interview is referenced a lot. It'll it goes back to the interview a lot. Um, but he is interviewing him and he says, um, do you like teenage girls? It was just like this outright question. And R. Kelly looked at him and said, when you say teenage, how young do you mean? Right. And this is like
1: immediately after he had been, it was either, was it? After he was acquitted. I think he was after he was acquitted. Yeah. And so, and, and Tori even says like, all you had to do was
0: say no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's, and, and then he talks about how. No. He tried to hold his face because he didn't want him to know how big of a mistake he made. And he said it was disgusting to sit across from him because he was eating it up. It was like, ooh, you know, like this topic, you know, it's, it was, he was just absorbing it in a really creepy way. And he looked at him and goes, well, 19 and younger, teenager, a teenager, you know, it was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Are you kidding me right Like, what do you mean? How young? Too right. young for you to be, to be <clears throat> around, you old, disgusting man. Right. So um, that's kind of an introduction to what you get. And then we go into people he knew and victims. And so I think we said the first one was um, Jovonte Cunningham, right?
1: Yes, that's the first one I had.
0: Yeah. Um, and I have Lizette written down, but we'll talk about her in just a minute. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Giovanni Cunningham. He met her in 1991
1: at the age of 14. 14. <laughs>
0: um What were you doing when you were 14? I was an eighth grader, so I was learning how to be around other girls, and I was painting my nails. Eighth friend. grader, like, gross. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, that's part of of this. Um, significant inequality from how I grew up to how these girls were growing up. Because, you know, they were doing whatever they could to get out of that environment, out of the projects and out of the ghetto. And that was what it was all about. Every single one of his girls had aspirations to be a singer or in music. And she sang background vocals for him. And he didn't directly physically assault her. At least we never heard that from her. Right. Um, But she, you know, was a victim of his because she saw him doing things to other girls
1: and the mental abuse
0: yes absolutely oh gosh and so i remember in the very beginning when we are introduced to her she the last thing she said was he is truly a talent and so you could see that there was this admiration for the the artist that he was but you could also see this just significant amount of pain that she had from what she endured And so,
1: and Javante was, um, charged with, um, by R. Kelly to go and quote unquote, get me some girls,
0: go out and get me some girls is what he would tell. And so this is a, yeah, this is like
1: a recruitment tactic and you see this a lot in trafficking because if Morgan, who's my peer comes up to me and is like, Hey, you should come hang out with me. I'm hanging out at the recording studio tonight. There's all sorts of people there. R. Kelly's gonna be there. You know, like that kind of stuff. Um, You're like, heck, yeah. How do you like, how do I get in part of this? Yeah. You know, and he was, he was known in the community in Chicago already. Mm -hmm. Very, Um, very well known. Yeah. Yes. At a very young age, he was introduced to um, music execs and things like that. And um, was just, you know, everybody said how much of a musical genius he was and, you know, that kind of thing. So... Everybody knew who R. Kelly was In this area of Chicago Yeah
0: well and one of the things That she said about that too was um, He would tell us go out and get me some girls And she said we weren't looking For underage girls we were just looking for Girls our age they had no Clue that what right. what he was Asking them to do was this nefarious You know thing So that he could utilize his Power and control over these young girls is just It's sick the way that he Asserted that and he also used somebody else to try and contact the, the girl the, it was never him directly girl. no um and he did have some contact with some of them prior to but he never gave them contact information directly he would always have one of his staff members do it
1: yeah or the girls in in this case when he when they were younger
0: yes yeah um she she did say you
1: know throughout this that we were just trying to make it. We thought we were going to be something. And, um, you know, he liked high school girls because he could make impressions on them.
0: Yeah. And at one point, um, they said, um, how did it feel to be a 14 year old girl during this time? And her face changed and she began to cry. And she said, we were just trying to survive. And, I have to say that there are certain questions that really just turn each one of the victims. There's something that you can see them start to process when something is asked a lot of physical abuse questions. So, um, I almost
1: felt bad for them too, because it was like, you know, that this is something that they're still processing through. Mm -hmm. I mean, even though we're 30 years later, this is something that they are still daily processing through. And it's, Gonna, I mean, it's still taking them time, and so I almost felt bad, um, you know, that that they were put in the position that they were to, you know, talk
0: about it again. Um, But I also thought that they were like the most brave. Oh, absolutely. These women are like the most badass people that you can, will come across because yes. they went through this and some in the beginning when they talked about it they called themselves a survivor, they called themselves a victim. Um somebody said I was a victim. I lived it. I survived it. Um and uh-huh. so they're out here telling this, but one of them, I remember specifically, um one of them, I think it was a Ashanti McGee she uh-huh. um they asked her a question and she started crying and she's like I didn't even realize I hadn't processed this yet yeah and look those words came out of her mouth and so I was just like man these these girls are seriously badasses for being able to she was on the me. one that got up and had to leave in the middle of the interview right no that was oh. um Pierce oh yeah yeah Geronda yeah, yeah. okay. anyway Geronda yeah Geronda yeah that's right um but when we when we encountered um Jovanic she is so eloquent too i i oh, really God. enjoyed listening to her speak because she is just this eloquent individual who is able to articulate how she's feeling or how it made um you know society see things in a certain way and she's so eloqu- right. eloquent and she talks about the first time that she witnessed a sexual act in the studio at the age of 14 um and she said uh, we were all right there um, and she said one of her teenage friends were in the booth with him and he had her bent over and we were all right there but none of us were of age and that, right. that is, you know, of age to be having sexual intercourse because age of consent in Illinois in 1990 was 17.
1: Right, so. And somebody said, and I, I wrote it underneath Jovante, but I don't think it was her. Um, I think it was, I, I honestly think it was that culture critic um, but she said, um, we all knew it was going on, but we didn't say anything because we were black girl. No, it had to have been Javante. We didn't say anything because we were black
0: girls. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. like, that's the theme throughout the whole, um, documentary, docu-series, whatever. Um, because it, I truly, and, and Morgan and I have talked about this. We truly think that had this happen, unfortunately, saying this out loud hurts me. Um, but had this happened to a bunch
0: of white girls, uh, he would have been would locked have been, up. In it would not long, have went on for thirty years. Absolutely, know. no. And you know, no. it's interesting that you say that because I have another quote that's written down by someone else because it was referred to a lot about how he was doing this to black girls, little black girls, Um Tarani Burke also said something about how right. he was wrecking, you know, just their, their culture. And so I said, it says, why didn't anyone notice? The answer is we all noticed, but no one cared because we were black girls. And she also
1: said you, he was using his power and demand to degrade little black girls. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yes. And they were just, just broken you know that yes. their, their community was just broken the whole this. community yeah yeah absolutely yeah okay so that is Javante and she you'll see her throughout the series and um the next thing we are introduced to is Aaliyah yeah let's talk about Aaliyah because let's do it. I didn't I was not aware that this happened I knew about the tape I knew of the tape okay but okay. I am like jamming to Ignition at my high school dances. Like, out there just bumping and grinding to Ignition. But literally, that's another one of his songs. Um, <laughs> and it was um, one of the most popular that he had, but this was after the sex tape occurred.
1: After the sex tape occurred, he, he came out with Ignition. And I will tell you, you know, um, looking at the timeline, I, I going into this, um, what I did know about was I knew about the scandal with him and Aaliyah. And I knew about the sex tape. Um, But that is the extent of what I knew. And um,
0: boy, howdy. Boy, howdy. Uh, I was just thinking the same thing. He's a monster. Yeah, yeah. Like that is, remember, so in the beginning, okay, we didn't ask this, but I'm going to ask it now. If you can give me one sentence to describe how you feel about this series, give it to me.
1: R. Kelly. Is an absolute monster.
0: Yeah, I totally agree in with all that caps, statement.
1: Bold, italicized. Yeah.
0: And <laughs> and what I would what say, your... I would say that sexual abuse in the black community is too largely ignored.
1: God bless. Yes. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And this proves it. For those it. of you
1: who don't know, Morgan and I, um, and. <laughs> haven't ventured onto our social media sites um and have no idea that we are two little white girls um (laughs) white very white uh, we we are speaking out we're kind of speaking out of turn but we also are speaking and advocating for our um our friends and our fellow ladies of color um you know i i can be here and try and advocate for you as much as possible um, and be an
0: ally for Because you. this wasn't right for that community. This was absolutely no. ignored and shoved under and, the rug and money was thrown at it and it was deemed not a problem. And, it, and it, they all acknowledged that. Mm-hmm. Everybody in this yeah. series acknowledged it. So let's go back to Aaliyah. Yeah, let's um, get back to Aaliyah. Okay. so Aaliyah was how old when she met Robert Sylvester? She was 12 years old, 12. 12, 12, 12 years old. And she was the niece of um, Kelly's manager, Barry Hankerson.
1: Uh-huh. Yep. So um, he helped our Kelly kind of um, Barry knew that her, his um, niece. Yes. Niece. Is that what we said?
0: Yes. It's his niece. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, for some reason I thought daughter for like half a second. Um, he knew that his niece had an amazing talent And so um, he also knew that R. Kelly could help uh, propel her into stardom Mm -hmm. and uh, trusted that R. Kelly could do this. Um, And trust is that word that is underlined in this situation. So R. Kelly actually helped produce and write uh, Leah's first album, which was aptly titled Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. And the title track from this age ain't nothing but a number is a song about young women trying to, or a
0: young woman trying to get an older man to have sex with her. Yes. And, and the quote that I have next to this, somebody said, um, it was a perfect song for hiding in plain sight. And he did that. Yes. Look at his nickname, the Pied Piper. I know. Like he, he threw this out there in 2017. Did you see the Facebook live video um, from May 17th of 2018? Sorry. Um, It's too late. They should have done this two years ago is what he said. Yeah. And I think he was, they had um, taken him to court again. I think he was charged with something again at that time. He'd been charged Mm -hmm. several times, but um, he said it's too late. They should have done this two years ago. Like, yeah, he just lived in plain sight. He really did.
1: Yeah 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 um so they they met when she was 12 um he started kind of um what the music industry would say is um helping her find her talent and you know that kind of stuff uh what we would say in the forensic world is he started grooming her Mm -hmm. um at age 12 and um they became instantly close yes uh and that was noticed by multiple people from his camp yeah um and multiple people had questions about like you know is something going on between you two is there you know anything going on whatever So let's talk about the interview then (sighs) who do you want to talk about uncomfortable is coming from a forensic standpoint and watching a victim
0: but wait, let's talk about what they were wearing first, because oh, my he's 27 God. <laughs> at this time, guys. He's 27, he's 27. years old. 27. He was. They were wearing matching Mickey Mouse outfits, shirts. They were shirts. She had a hat they were, like, on, like clad shirt.
1: She had a Mickey Mouse. I and I don't understand this because, like, every picture of Aaliyah that was taken in that time frame, she was wearing Mickey Mouse something or other. Because she's a uh, child. I well, I mean, <laughs> obviously. <laughs>
0: Okay, Captain Obvious over there. I mean, it's literally in plain sight. So it was like the most uncomfortable interview. And so the interviewer, um, I mean, she was told, don't ask this. You can't ask this. You can't ask these questions. Did I say he? I'm sorry. I I meant she. She was told, like, you can't talk about the relationship. And so her question was, um, so... Everybody wants to know. I'm going to ask what everybody wants to know. You know, you guys are very close. What are you? Are you together? Are you cousins? Well, they couldn't say they were together because she's a child. And so she answers, um, he's my best friend, and then looks at him.
1: And then he says,
0: in "In the the whole world. world. In the whole world,
1: yeah. And you can tell that this was a very, like, you could just look at her face and know, that that was a forced answer. He's my best friend. She's been told that so many
0: times. times. And then
1: he pipes in, in the world. And she says, oh yes, he's my best friend in the whole world. And it was really uncomfortable.
0: You could tell that whole interview was just uncomfortable, which makes it perfect for our podcast. Right. (laughs) So the interviewer
1: after that even says to her, so how old are you, Aaliyah? And she said, I'll never tell my age Did,
0: and we all and know at like, that point she nobody was like asks a lady's age isn't that wasn't that the yes. comment like yeah nobody asked a, a lady's, lady's age. age yeah like well you're 15 yeah. you're not a lady you're a child again right again right so then after the interview we cut back to I think Jovante and she talks about how they're in the tour bus right yeah and how the tour bus yes. is set up and how they have bunk beds in there and you know they're in there messing around at night um they have they like prank, prank time each other. because mm-hmm. why They're, they're children kids. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um so they were going to prank there were it was prank time they were going to prank either r kelly early or, or something and the door to the main bedroom in the tour bus opened and she said robert was having sex with Aaliyah on the tour bus
1: and when she says that in the interview, she immediately breaks.
0: Yeah, yeah. This girl is she's broken. She's seen a lot. This girl has seen a lot. Yes. And the the young the young girl on the sex tape was somebody that's very close to hers. Her her god No, she's the godchild of Sparkle, who we're, we'll introduce in a little bit. Um, she's the godmother to Sparkle's child, and so right, right, right. Um, yeah. She just but breaks. She's, she's still, seen so, yeah. so much. Yeah. 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 And so after that, then Kelly goes to his tour manager, who should aptly be held equally responsible. Him
1: and the bodyguard absolutely need to be indicted for this kind of stuff because, holy be- Jesus! First of all, you're sitting holy around. Be- holy <laughs> Listen, <laughs> look. <laughs> so, um, you're sitting around and every single person that is interviewed in this thing minus bruce who we will talk about in a little bit oh bruce the caboose he's bringing up the rear of that family he is bringing up the rear (laughs) um he got smoke coming out everywhere that's not the rear though sorry anyway um (laughs) anyway Um, yeah for all my railroad people um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> are Demetria there railroad people do you think
0: railroad people listen to this podcast
1: i mean um i mean so welcome my husband if you kind do. of my <laughs> husband's kind of into railroad stuff and his friend brandon okay well um and brandon liked something on our instagram oh, so i don't know okay well <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. railroad people uh <laughs> so Demetrius smith is his tour manager yes. yeah and we see him a lot and We see Demetrius and something that I kind of caught in all of this was Demetrius is um, kind of remorseful
0: for what happened, but not. I agree. Did you notice that? Yeah. I think he He doesn't know what to think. You know, this was, this was something, this was his career. This is how he made a living. And, you know, this was his livelihood. And if he said something like, oh, he would be done. Yeah as as was what everyone like when it was brought to the music executives they were like oh but he's making us money you know right how much money is he making us and it was all about the money Um, right but one of the things that they talked about was that after he got out of high school he would hang around at the high school or he would go to malls or he would go to mcdonald's where where children usually resided um right and his tour manager said um i would pay make people know that R. Kelly was here. So it was his job to make people aware that R. Kelly was there. Yeah. And he would get, he would give his number to them and say, you know, he wants you to call him. And then that's kind of how things got rolling. He always had his staffers do that. But after, I think it was after they talked about the bus incident that he went to him and he said, we Uh have a problem. Yes. And so, um, Because now people knew that they were sleeping together because they saw it. Well, that he was molesting a child. They weren't sleeping together. It wasn't consensual. Um, No. And um, he said, we have a problem. And Demetrius Smith falsified paperwork so that him and Aaliyah could get married. Um, And so the paperwork said she was 18. And in reality, she was 15. And he was 27. Yeah. 27. Um, and one of the things that I said at this time when we were kind of recording first, and it was really a biased or, you know, it, it came from a place of, I don't
1: think it was biased.
0: I, I don't think it was ignorant either. I think that it's truly a question that a whole lot of people have. And what I said was, where are her parents? Right. But then Sarah reminded me that her uncle is his manager they're comfortable with her being in this environment because her uncle is there like they don't expect her to be hurt and she reminded me that her parents forced the annulment how long after was it two weeks two months two months, two months after yeah. they were married
1: there was an annulment and he paid her family
0: one hundred
1: hundred dollars one hundred dollars to not pursue to keep legal going. action yeah are you kidding me? Like, I would have to get way more than $100 to not be yeah, like... Yeah, I'd have
0: to get sparkle money, like, which oh. she didn't take. Like, over right. six figures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well You'd over. have to offer yeah. me, yeah. Um, but then that's kind of where we end on the first episode, right? And then at the very end, it talks about how he did collabs with Gaga and Whitney Houston and Celine Dion and Michael Jackson and Chance the Rapper, and... Um, And he wrote songs for people, um, one of which was You Are Not Alone, that Michael Jackson sang. And we'll talk about this one um, Mm -hmm. next, because it comes up in the next episode, which is episode two.
1: Which I wrote down, the very first thing I wrote down for episode two, because they're still kind of like, um, they recap things, and it was something that maybe I... Either didn't catch in episode one, or it was something that was literally just said in episode two. But um, "age ain't nothing but a number" is a phrase that was oh. used in the black community. Yes. Um. And then, and one of the the guys on the episode who were, was interviewed said, and it wasn't uh, Bruce the Caboose because uh, I wouldn't take it as a fact if that was the case. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he said you know as you know like even in the barber shops and stuff they would uh you know see a cute little thing walking by and then somebody would say you know oh she's blah blah blah, how old or whatever mm-hmm. and somebody in the barber shop would just say age ain't nothing but a number yeah um so it was so accepted it was very accepted that was a a, a, a term already used in the community. Um, and it was socially acceptable. So, um, the other thing that they talked about, and, um, I assume that this is from episode two also, because Morgan broke her notes down per episode and I just feverishly wrote a whole bunch of notes. So, um, was that this is something that has occurred throughout history with rock stars. Um, they talked about Elvis and Priscilla. Um, and they talked about Jerry Lee Lewis. And um, for those of you who aren't aware, um Elvis
0: brought Priscilla, Priscilla over from, from Germany. Germany when she was fifteen. But greatly left it on the down low. Like that wasn't. Very that much was down low. Wanted. Yeah. But it was yeah. and they got married. Yes. And then Jerry Lee
1: Lewis. Um, he married his thirteen uh, year old cousin. Okay, I'm sorry if that's gross. Not yeah did not keep anything on the down low yeah uh they were very affectionate and public uh made everything very well known and that was the downfall of his career um and what I wrote down here was wasn't that the era though
0: yeah and we talked about how they got married they got married young and it was
1: acceptable
0: back then and then my grandma got got married when she was 16 and you
1: know and and my my grandpa was 20 and um you know and We're talking with the R. Kelly thing. This happened in the 90s. You know, this isn't 1957 (laughs) where you have to marry young,
0: real, you know, real young. Where you're doing the sock hop. Right. And you're doing the sock hop with each other. And he's dry humping on the stage. But let's. (laughs) I'm sorry. And letting girls touch his penis. Uh, like, no, promising. not letting them. It forcing so. them. Let's...
1: Well, mm, forcing yeah. them. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So then, like, yeah. we get into episode two. And, you know, one of the things that I have written down is that he's the Pied Piper of R&B. And so somebody mm-hmm. else said that. There were several people that said that. Um, but we're introduced to his older brother, Bruce mm. the Caduceus, And this... He's, like, literally bringing up the rear in this family. He is interviewed... In a tan jumper from jail. All of his interviews occur from jail, and so right mm-hmm. there, I'm like, "Bro, your credibility is like non-existent for me. I don't value right. anything well, at that first, comes out of I your mouth." Right. Well, first, I was pretty excited about it
1: because I thought maybe he had been indicted for something related to this, so I was a little bit excited at first. I was like, "Oh, hey, let's <laughs> let's, let's see what this is all you will about." will tell me how disappointed you were when you found out oh, it was her God. mouth. I mean, the first time he opened his mouth, I was like,
0: "Ah." Uh. No. And rewound (laughs) and played it again to make sure I heard it correctly. Yeah. And so one of the things that he said that I was like, okay, I'm done with you. I don't, I don't respect anything that's coming out of your mouth. And he said, what is the big deal? What is the issue with my brother? He is a rapist and he is a child molester, sir. Yeah. He's a pedophile. What do you mean? What's Uh, wrong with your brother? Your judgment is skewed. (laughs) Sir, you think yeah uh, is okay. Stop talking. They
1: like uh in, in the UK they call it a paedophile. A paedophile. <laughs> pe- did you say that in your British accent? A
0: paedophile. It's a paedophile. It's a paedophile.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, um, yeah, no, I I wrote down immediately that he is just as much of a monster. And he said he literally did not see the problem with the age. He was like, I mean Robert likes young girls. I like older girls. That's my opinion. He likes younger girls. What's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is that their brain is not even close to fully I mean, developed. They can't yeah. make consent. Like they they can't make decisions
0: that adults can make. And now and we didn't really even Some talk of them about had this. 10 years left. Like his youngest victim was 12. They still had 9 years left before their brain was fully developed. Like, oh yeah. Come yeah. on. And and, that and frontal we're lobe, learning- your decision-making lobe is your frontal lobe. Let's just, let's throw, like, that's not fully developed in women till 21 and men until 25. And so 25, there yeah. were some times when his wasn't even fully developed.
1: Right. And 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 what we're finding now in the forensic community and, and looking back in the psychology community and all that kind of stuff is that um, your brain physically changes. Mm-hmm. From because of in the your trauma, childhood.
0: yes, yeah, yeah, and it affects everything. every aspect of life. Yeah, I mean, um, if you haven't heard of the ACE study, you'll hear us talk about it. But it's I was it, gonna say, tune into a later episode, and we'll yeah, we'll discuss ACE. It literally changes the child's brain to, um, be hyper aware to danger all the time. And that's set off all all the the time. time. And so later on in life, you have chronic health issues. I mean, it leads to chronic health issues, trauma, like this does. So, you know, when we talk about that, these girls aren't just affected, you know, on the short term, there's long
1: term effects. Right. And the immediate. Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. so when he is described, um, he's described in two different ways. He's described as R. Kelly, where he's caring, charismatic, funny, you have a beautiful relationship. And then he's described as Robert and you don't meet Robert until he's built um, that vulnerability and that trust. So he would tell people about his childhood trauma and his molestation and that's how he would groom them. And so he would transition from R. Kelly to Robert and that vulnerability, he would build a vulnerability and trust. And then he would transition into this abusive behavior. And one of the ways that he built that trust and kind of would test the waters was tell his victims that they now had to call him daddy.
1: Okay, by the way, anybody who, um, I mean, no judgment, okay, but anybody who calls their spouse daddy or their significant other daddy or their significant other mommy, gah, gross. I just That grosses me out. My kids call me mommy, so that's... Ugh. Right. I couldn't be in a sexual relationship with somebody and then call me mommy or me or like me like if i were to say daddy in the middle of a sexual encounter i would immediately just be like okay i'm done, done. <laughs> <laughs> no longer want to be in this situation yeah <laughs> you know like yeah
0: and so it's then- like
1: it's like it reminds me of like Austin powers um when he was trying to like not have sex with one of the fembots bots or whatever. (laughs) And he's like, Margaret Thatcher on a cold day. Margaret
0: Thatcher on a cold day. Like that's exactly what Daddy reminds me of. Like that's that would that would be like nope. But several of them said it too. That was one of his key ways in testing those boundaries to see if they were gonna say okay. Yeah.
1: And they also said, and it was brought up by so many people at so many different times. And, um, I don't know necessarily that any of them talked, but the, the phrase that was brought up a million times throughout this was, I didn't know the storm was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Rob was
0: the storm. Yeah. Rob that's what was they call the him. storm. Our Kelly was the, um, it was the calm before the storm and then Rob was the storm. And so one of his first victims that we're introduced to is Lizette Martinez. Um, she's 17 when she first meets him and it was in Miami. Uh um and she goes to one of no she's in the mall um he goes to a mall she's in the mall um he hears her say that's our kelly um he has somebody give her his number she goes to a party and her first sexual experience with him um was a drug facilitated sexual assault so they gave her alcohol and she said i um was hazy I it was foggy and she so her first sexual encounter with R. Kelly was a sexual assault and it was the first time she had met him and one thing that she did say was sex with him felt not natural right um, because she did have sex with him more than one time and so since she's 17 in the state of Illinois it would have been consensual but when you listen to her talk, it was uncomfortable. You can tell that it wasn't something that was consensual because it was this power dynamic where he was helping her. Right. Obtain so something. a couple of things to say about this mall meeting.
1: One... Um, was I don't know if you caught this, and it was something that I thought about later on um, after we recorded the last time. Was um, so he, she was there with one of her friends, with one of her girlfriends. Oh yeah, and I know what you're um, her girlfriend, like she was like, oh my god, that's R. Kelly, and her girlfriend was like, what would R. Kelly do, be, like be doing in a mall? <laughs> uh, yeah, what would R. Kelly be doing? Because in a he's mall? a
0: pedophile. <laughs> he's a pedophile.
1: That's why he's in the mall. <laughs> At the food court. Um, so, and then she also looked like her girlfriend also looked at her after all of this. After the bodyguard has given um, Lizette her phone number or his phone number and everything, um, her girlfriend says, "Oh my gosh, this is it. This is your big break." And went and helped her get her hair and her makeup done so she could go that night. And Lizette even says, "Like we were so naive." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have this really great quote from her that I loved was, I mean, I didn't love it, obviously, but. Um, it was powerful. He was going, right. Yeah. He was going to help me make it. Uh, also part of human trafficking yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. Um, they make all these promises. Um, he was going to help me make it. He leaned over and kissed me. I didn't know what to, I didn't know how to say no. This was my dream. How do I handle this? I wanted the dream so bad. I knew um, it was going to be something else. Yeah. And And she also said he was hard not to like though. Yeah. Because he was was in R. Kelly mode. Yeah. He was in
0: R. Kelly mode. And so, you know, we learn about her that she ends up pregnant by him and he calls and asks Mm -hmm. her what she wants to do about it and she keeps it, but she ends up losing the baby and he writes, you are not alone. Um, and Michael Jackson sings it. So, you are not alone. alone. <laughs> I am
1: here with you. I honestly, um, in in all reality, absolutely despise Michael Jackson also and refuse to yeah. listen to any of his music. And so, um, their <laughs> uh,
0: encounters end because he gives her mono. She ends up with um, Guillain-Barre uh, syndrome, which puts her in the ICU, and she says that he never showed his face. And guess what he did? He threw. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, like,
1: pay her family? Oh, enough. It was enough to, like, cover all the ICU bills, right? A thousand dollars. And we looked it up. This was in the 90s, right? And so $1,000 in the 90s is, like, $1,900 now. And so so... still no difference. So that, that was not going to cover your eyes. And then bills.
0: we are briefly introduced to his wife, Andrea. Um, her maiden name is Lee and is now Kelly. Um, they met when she was 19 and yeah. she was a dancer for him. Um, and so her brother is actually one of his bodyguards. Drea. Yes. Yeah. So we'll call and her Andrea she Drea. She goes by Drea. She goes by. And you can tell how broken she is um i think my but in the beginning oh yeah my first yes, impression absolutely. of her was how strong she well, was well then she had to relive it then and she then was all of recounting was like, all of these things that happened oh, yeah right yes yeah yeah i mean so she's still super she strong. said she experienced but. his power him assert his power over her after he proposed and she accepted he um surprised her with a wedding so she had no idea it was going on so she didn't have any family there she didn't have any friends there he planned this wedding in a hotel room so she wasn't in a white dress he had everything planned he had the cake the flowers everything except for it was like this secret hotel room wedding that he planned and she said he crossed the line from being generous to controlling um in that moment she said that's when he crossed the right. line was what to do that because she had no idea about the wedding um, and then it it goes to her, she kind of recounts some of the things um, that happened. And she said, um, at one point, he showed that vulnerable side and the side that was sweet and kind and somebody she knew. Um, and she just wanted him to get him back to the good guy that she fell in love with, which is really... And I have written
1: right after this
0: vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when us. you have a dynamic of power, you have a loss of perspective mm-hmm. of reality. So he asserted so much power over her. I mean, she right. would be locked in a room and she would have to knock to come out, which was which was indicative of all of the, the women that he victimized. Um, he asserted this power then they had to call him right. daddy. They couldn't look at other men. Um, they couldn't talk to other men. They had to keep their head down. They had, they were locked in rooms. And then if they did something that he deemed um, that was wrong, he would put them on punishment. And so. Right
1: now, but it comes in slowly and it's a step-by-step process. It's not, it, it wasn't, um, you know, like kind of what we talk about when we do our domestic violence talk and stuff is that, um, it it's not like you go on a first date and somebody punches right. you in the face because you don't like, have any hey, connection. Yeah, i to I'm that keep person. this relationship yes. up. Uh, you would walk away, <laughs> right? Right. You would walk away immediately. So um, it comes in so slowly, and and one of the clinical psychologists talk, talks about mm-hmm. that, and it's a slow process of isolation. So like if you guys have only been together for a month, and all of a sudden that your your significant other is like. I'm taking away your phone. I'm taking away all of your social media. I'm tracking all of your moves. Like that kind of stuff. You'd be like, peace out. See you. Bye. You know, um, but you know, all of a sudden it's like, you know, and then you remember how I talked about learned helplessness
0: in the first, the dogs in the cage. Um, One of the clinical psychologists discussed this Mm -hmm. and you develop this learned helplessness. So he groomed them to the point where even though they could leave, they couldn't leave. They didn't know how. And you know, when she said, right. I just wanted to get him back to the good guy. I fell in love with with that's indicative of him building that relationship, being vulnerable, having her love him and trust him. And then he changes into once he realizes he has the hook, then he turns into Rob the storm and you're all mine and you're not going anywhere. And there was significant right. financial, Um, abuse with her he had all the money she didn't have anywhere to go they had three children and so um he was he just he's a monster i don't know how many times we can say that um and so that's kind of how we're introduced to drea and then we get introduced to your girl sparkle
1: yeah oh my girl i love me some sparkle uh she uh um Language warning. Language warning. She is a bad bitch right here. This girl. Yeah. She.
0: Mm, um, oh, I love she her. really has a strong moral compass. <laughs> you know, she she has this significant moral compass. Oh, yes.
1: And you want to talk about eloquence? Um, you know, with uh, Giovante. you say that was a French sparkle is Jovante.
0: Jovante.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That's all oh, that French, I know.
0: Um, okay, so Sparkle is somebody who does background vocals um, for R. Kelly, and she was never a victim of his. Um, however, she witnessed the victimization, especially of Drea, one of the first times she was over at his house. She said she was there with all the boys and they were watching basketball, and she kept hearing this knock. And she finally looked at him and goes, Do you not hear that? Are you not going to answer it? Where's that coming from? And he tilts his head back and yells something like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Drea peeks her head out the door and asks if she can get something to eat, which is indicative of the abuse that he does and asserts his power and control because everything that each woman did. So whether it was brushing their teeth or using the bathroom or getting something to eat, they had to ask him to do this. And this is his wife who is in a bedroom knocking to come out. Right. And so that's her first interaction with that. And she says.
1: Very quickly. This is not going to be me. That is not somebody who I am. And so she experiences his. And I, I wonder if he didn't recognize
0: that. But and that's why it never because came he to didn't allow anybody to speak to her. So anybody yeah. on set or anybody in the studio, she realized it, but then she said, "I would go out of my way to speak to people like, "Hey, what's up?" You know she's like, "You don't stifle me. You are not going to stifle me." And that was that was who she was, and I think that that's right. One reason that he it didn't work because he tried and she pushed back, right? Like she asserted. Her power back over him. Um, But then she talks about her 12-year-old niece who she brings to the studio. And when she talks about her 12-year-old niece, she is so broken and she is so hurt because we find out very quickly that her 12-year-old niece is the child in the video um, in the beginning that we're introduced to. So his child pornography that he's peeing on somebody and making them perform. Um, sex acts is her niece
1: um. and she was 12 years old when they first met um, and Sparkle brought her in because her niece was such a good rapper and she was like she's on level and on par to become this super famous amazing rapper and we mm-hmm. never see her she's face and we very, never hear yeah. her name she's protected um, throughout oh, yeah Um which it, we find out kind of why later on. But um, um, she initially, Sparkle, was like, you know, I'm going to bring her in. She is not allowed to be here without. Mm-hmm. I mean, because Sparkle's not dumb. She's watched all this stuff happen. You know what I mean? And so she's like, you know, she's not allowed to be in the mm-hmm. studio without either me. But then she walks in parents. one day and she's there
0: by herself. She's like, um, what are you doing here? What are you doing here by yourself? Uh, I'm sorry. What's happening? Um, yeah. And yes. so, yeah, that's kind of how we see things transition. Okay, so we're coming up on an hour, but I want to cover Lisa yeah. um next. <laughs> and Wendy Williams'
1: eyes. <laughs> you guys. Oh, Wendy Williams, I'm telling you. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, um, but also remember yes. we have stuff to edit out too. Yes, so we are so, coming up on an hour, but we have um, minutes. To we
0: edit are out, now so. introduced to Lisa Van Allen, and she was seventeen when she met him. Um, and uh, I don't have how they met. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. There was actually a party
1: that oh, yeah, her right. friend was going to. And she was there. She just went with her friend was sitting there all alone. And she even said, I think I was probably the youngest one there. So I didn't think that there was any reason R. Kelly would
0: want to engage with me. Um, mm-hmm. And because he was 31 yeah. years old. And so she talks and about she this interaction. 17. And then she ends up in the studio. And she of course had, you know, and she was an aspiring singer.
1: I actually think... I don't think she was in the studio. I think this... I, if I remember right... Well, yes, she did. She but she was, one she was went in to the, the studio,
0: too. In the beginning... In the beginning, because he was performing. Yes. I mean, eventually. And so yes. they were in... A, where did Mm -hmm. i don't remember where she lived but yes they they he had the tour bus and um so she went to the tour Uh, bus but she was forced to stay on the tour bus and so he would go in and what he would they would record a scene or whatever and he'd come back out and they would have sex and then he would go in and record a scene and they would come back out and they would have sex right and so essentially it was consensual
1: right and she says that she does right and she says that she felt like yes. maybe she shouldn't but have had sex with him so fast. She
0: also felt like. But she didn't he, think she could tell him no. It was a relationship. You know, very early. Yes, she was his girlfriend. And so. Right. She was his um, The way that he really asserted things over her was, of course, you know, you have to call me daddy. That was one of the first things that he did with most of them. But he, yeah. <laughs> he said, <laughs> um, if you love me, you'll dot, dot, dot. So whatever it was, if you love me. And so that, you know, reeled her Mm -hmm. in. She thought they were in a relationship and she did love him. So she thought that, you know, if I loved him, then this is what I need to do. This is R. Kelly. So this is what I need to do to keep him. And at this time he was still married to Drea. Yeah. So he's traipsing these girls in and out of the house where she's locked in a room. And, um, and she essentially doesn't know about any of them because she's in the room all the time. She's isolated. He's isolated her so much. And, and
1: a lot multiple. in the studio he had built bedrooms and everybody thought that it was really yeah. weird yeah there was that one there in were the center and another multiple
0: bedrooms, bedrooms. so um, essentially we meet her and then we learn that she is she at one point she realizes that he's videotaping her and so she says i never said no but I didn't want to be videotaped and he always had it.
1: Right. And she said, and he didn't, and, and she said he didn't ever yes. make it a secret though. Like he had a camera with a tripod and lights and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't like I'm going to hide a video camera right. in my Kleino- Kleenex box next to the bed. You know, uh, <clears throat> it, was, it was very much, right. this is what I'm going to do. And I liked how the psychologists talked about how this is his trophy. Yeah, and so his trophies.
0: Then we talk that she talks about how um, then he wants to introduce somebody else in the bedroom, and she um, essentially consents, and they start to have um, threesomes. And the first time they had one was with the girl in the sex tape. Yes, yes, and she was fourteen at the time. Yes
1: and it seems like that that is the combo like that it was just those two i um, maybe here and there there would be another girl a different girl but for the most part it yes. was lisa and the and then what about a
0: year that would have later reason. she so they're not supposed to be talking to each other but about a year later she's having mm-hmm. a conversation not with allowed. this girl and she mentions getting a car for her 16th birthday and she was like Coming up. She said, Wait a minute. I thought you were already 16. Which was coming up.
1: Because R. Kelly had told her she was 16. Close to her and age. And Lisa was 17.
0: So it was like, Okay, that's yeah. a little. So she I mean, realizes a bit better, I guess. that she has slept with a 14 year old and she, it breaks her. She, it, it breaks her, basically. And so, oh, then, yeah. at one point, she's left in the studio with his bag that he carries his tapes with, and she starts popping those puppies in.
1: This was in the... Yeah, and, and yes. keep in mind, this is in the year 2000. Um, because in the timeline later on, um, we will talk about all the timelines and everything. So, in the year 2000, um, she he had this bag and she said every time that he would tape them um, he would take his camera take the videotape out take his camera put them in the bag and then you know leave or whatever but he always had the bag with him but
0: in 2000 and so she finds point, the tape, he left the bag with her in a room. Um, of the threesome and she takes it and she says he didn't even know it was gone and she well first off she
1: she found the tape of the threesome or whatever, but she, at the very beginning of that tape, is him having his sexual encounter okay, with yeah. this 14-year-old Gusted. and peeing on her.
0: Yeah, and, she and then she transitions to either that, that or it was before, that. so she saw her stuff and then saw that and then took it, and ultimately yeah. she takes it. And she ends up giving it to another artist to hold because she was afraid to keep it. But he never realizes that it's gone. And then later on, she gets really nervous that it's going to be exposed. And so she tells him that she took it. And um, it ends up, they figure out who has it. He calls them, contacts them, tells them he needs it back. He'll give them money. Um, They bring the tape. And he makes both of them take lie detector tests. She passes, the other guy doesn't, about um, making copies, and so ultimately he gives him a little bit of money up front, and then the rest, when he gets the rest of the tapes, but it was leaked anyway. Somehow somebody got a hold of it somewhere, and so um, at one point, she she starts to say, "Um, and I didn't realize that, and it takes her quite a while to get it out, Um, and she starts crying, and she said,
1: "Um, oh gosh, yes.
0: And she, it takes, I mean, it takes multiple attempts. She said, I didn't realize that they verbalizing talking about killing me. Um, and she, and she finds out. And so she's just broken and you can see that. And so, um, ultimately this, all of this stuff comes out and this is in 2002. And so then we see all of these lawsuits and settlements come up, um, well, right, but the video comes, comes out. out in people are like starting to dig, they're starting to, to look at these things. No prior to the video, prior to out? that, prior to that,
1: yes, absolutely. So, this Chicago Sun sometimes Sun- had a um, oh, yeah, that's a tip right. to their like music editor or something like that about all of these uh lawsuits that were filed that's out right, of court. You're right. Uh, with underage girls and they said in this um, they went to the legal counsel at the Chicago Sun-Times and said you know do you think you could kind of look into this this would be kind of interesting this would be like a kind of breaking story whatever and so the first story that was ran about all of this was um, December 21st of 2000 and it was about all of the underage girls and the lawsuits that had been filed
0: and they were getting oh my god and just you wait till the second part because you're going to be floored at the second part because um it's like a settlement factory in this one um office one law office i can't wait till you see it because you're like what we'll talk about that too you just wait
1: what um all -hmm. of them had to sign sign non-disclosure agreements Um, that was used to keep them quiet because again, let's think about this. We have a vulnerable child in a poverty stricken area that's going up against a music artist who pays them off in five to six figures, something that they would never make in their lifetimes um, to keep them quiet and um if they right. ever disclosed anything yeah. they would have to pay the money back that was part of the agreement so this is another reason why
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah. we true. probably true, true. don't know about some of the And victims. so all
0: of that comes out and then we see this sex tape and um did you see the paper though that they came out with all of the lawsuits they had like pictures of girls in there and i thought yes. are those victims there's no way that those are victims cuz that's like a huge no no you protect the identity of victims especially if they're children Yeah,
1: especially if they're children,
0: and and especially if they have a a non-disclosure agreement. You know what I mean. um, Rolls out episode two, and we're going to end this um episode, our episode two with I want to say that he had three Grammys that year for "I Believe I Can Fly," and one of the things at the end said he became larger than life and untouchable in his mind so um that's kind of Mm -hmm. episodes one two we really needed to cover those in this part because there's so much back history and we'll be able to to go through the other episodes pretty smoothly i think from here on out yeah yeah from here on out but and pretty um, quickly discussion around this you know needed to be a little longer so Um, I do have, anytime we do anything like this, we want to provide resources. So I have resources to the National Domestic Violence uh, Hotline. You can go to thehotline.org and you can chat. You can do a live chat um, and you can find resources there. Uh, But their call, their um, support line is one 800 seven, nine, nine, seven, two, three, three. But if you're not able to speak safely, you can also text love is at two, two, five, two, two. And that's the national domestic violence hotline. Um, and then the national sexual assault hotline is one 800-656-HOPE or one 800-656-4673. So those are some resources and they can connect you with your local resources. But anytime we do this, we want to give resources for people to be able to process through something that may be come up in your life. So there's those resources.
1: Yes. Oh, and yes, isn't it Rain, rain.org? org. Yeah. And there's resources there for sexual violence. That is it
0: for episode two. Um we hope you're uncomfortable. We hope you're uncomfortable, but we hope that you join us next time. And if you have any questions or you want to submit any suggestions, you can go to um are you do I make you uncomfortable at gmail.com or
1: we also have um do I make you uncomfortable on Instagram, Twitter.
0: You and, can just uh, so until next time, until we make so. you more uncomfortable, yeah. we will see you and have um, a wonderful week. Yes. Bye.